In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, I got the whole crew. I guess today our name will be the Triangle Offense, and we are going to talk about the top two-way players for the 2023 NBA season. We're going to talk about guys that we think can have their two-way contracts converted to standard contracts, and also which guys we're actually shocked to find out that they're on two-ways and why two-way contracts are such a big deal. Stay tuned. Big, big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. I appreciate each and every listen. I'm sure Richard does. I'm sure Leaf does. We thank you for listening, whether you are on your way to work, while you're at work, in the gym, whatever you are doing, we appreciate each and every listen because basketball season is back. The preseason starts today and now the dead period in the basketball world is over. And within maybe like, I don't know, a month or so, college basketball will start because I feel like we've been talking about what ifs. I mean, of course, it's always what ifs, but we've been talking about high school guys. And I'm just glad that games are on the way. And although we normally cover the NBA draft, this episode is going to be about the two way guys because the NBA season kicks off today with the Dallas Mavericks playing the Minnesota Timberwolves in Abu Dhabi, I believe. But first of all, I got my co-host trying offense today. I got Leaf to my left. Leaf, what's going on in your world other than playing a lot of tennis? You've been hooping lately? I've been playing way more basketball and tennis. Played a played a nice doubles match and just got back and ready to talk some ball. To, and the college basketball, I've been itching for it. So last night I watched two games at 12 to 2 in the morning. So, you know, I'm, I'm itching for hoops. Well, you know, they say Leaf watches more college basketball than anyone else. And then we got Richard Stamen, Mr. Mavs Draft. All right. What what shirt do you have on today? He's known for wearing team shirts or player affiliated <laughs> shirts. I see a swoosh. Oh, is that a Rangers shirt? Is that baseball? Yeah. Yeah. I hey, shout out to the Texas Rangers who uh just swept their way to the ALDS. I mean, I haven't a two oh sweep. Tension to baseball in so long. I don't even know who's on the Rangers. It's, it's it's been that long. You got your Dallas Mavs playing, and Omax and Lively are supposed to start. What are your thoughts on that? I am interested to see. I, I think Omax is pretty ready for it. I was shocked to see him in there over Josh Green. Uh, says a lot about the oh, confidence yeah. of Omax. But think about that. Uh, Lively's got a big test. He he had some struggles in summer league, but also had some pretty good highs in summer league. I think. Interested to see what he's improved on since. Well, yeah, I've, on one hand, I'm surprised that they got Omax over Josh, but I I think Kid is just throwing the rookies out there first to see what they're made of. I think for Lively, his role is going to be simplified in the regular season because you know he's going to have Luca to 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 get those passes, and so I think he's going to be fine. I have heard that. Um, so I heard that Omax and his first scrimmage playing with, with Luca got hit in the face a couple times because he said he hadn't played, or well, he didn't tell me this, but he told someone he hadn't played with someone that can find him when they're not looking at him. So there are times where Luca just he said never made any eye contact with them. Didn't even think Luca saw that he was open and just was whipping 
live dribble passes across the court. And so uh, what he had mentioned to to this person that told me was that when you're on the court with Luca, you have to have your hands ready all times. Even if you don't think he sees you, he he can see you and he can find you. So there's going to be an adjustment there. But I want to talk about the two-way guys. And we can actually start off with the Mavs two-way guys because we know Mike Miles is is a, a big um, – Richard is a big fan of Mike Miles, I should say. And were you – surprised that he ended up with the two way. I know you thought he was draftable and I know you thought that he was someone that you would have taken in the first round, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I think I soured on the last part towards the end of the draft cycle where I was like, okay, early second, but he is somebody that I think he very clearly should be on that two way. I think he'll graduate quickly. I, I just feel like he's a, he's a guy who look one injury to the pretty good guard depth. Uh, with Hardy behind Kyrie and Luca, I do think he's somebody that can emerge and really step in there and thrive right away. So is McKinley Wright back on the team? He signed overseas. So they have a third two-way Don- spot open. Dante Exum. That's yeah, the other yeah, guard. They, actually, they did get Exum. Yeah, he's the other one. And Seth, they still have Seth, even though Seth won't be initiating the offense. Right. Um. So you think that he does have a chance to convert it to a standard contract? I think so. I mean, if he just makes the most again, like injuries are inevitable, right? Even in this, even this whole, like, okay, let's not milk injuries kind of era that the NBA is trying to bridge in guys are still going to miss time. Like the minimums don't mean guys aren't going to get hurt. And I think just because of that, Mike's just got to be ready and be able to be efficient when he's in. What are your thoughts on Jelly Walker? The other two way. He's interesting because he's really fun. Uh, I think he lifts his teammates up very clearly. Uh, when I saw UAB play at the Conference USA tournament, that was what I saw. Just like he's a he's a natural leader, very skilled, also probably one of the best players in the world right now that's under six feet. But again, that that size, there are just so few players that are that small that can make it. I'm interested to see what happens with him. I, I personally like Dexter Dennis the most. I think he's got potential to be three and D. Um, and there have been rumblings that they were like, hey, if everything goes his way, Maybe he could be a Dorian type, but you know how the Mavs compare every one of their players to their former players who thrive on niche roles. So uh, I do think he is somebody that really could stick with with great defense and if his shot is there. So he's on an E10, so he's going to have to go from an E10 yep. hoping to get a two-way, which is a significant pay raise. All right, Leaf, let's talk about the Jazz. Three two-way guys. You got Micah Potter, Joey Hauser, and Johnny Juzang. Which one of those guys stands out to you? as a potential candidate to um, get converted to a standard deal? I think the most likely is certainly Micah Potter. Uh, I watched Joey Hauser struggle pretty mightily at the summer league. Didn't, didn't look like he stuck. I've said for a long time, even though Johnny Juzang played some minutes for the jazz last year, that I don't see him as an NBA player. I don't think he was very good at the summer league either. And Micah Potter was good. Uh, the issue for Michael Potter is the Jazz have pretty good depth in the front court, including the question of, let's see, if you break it down, Walker, Kessler, Lowry, Markkinen, John, uh, you got Collins playing the, you know, Markkinen playing the three. But now if you, you count those all as big bodies, you got Kelly Olenek, Omer Yurt, seven, Taylor Hendricks, Lucas Samanich, and now you get into the weeds with Michael Potter. And then there's a bunch of young guards. So I, I think it's hard. I don't think any of them will, but if you ask me which one's most likely to, I'd say it's Micah Potter. What are your thoughts on Juzang? 
I think he's a bad defender, and I think that he is a good shooter, but not good enough to be just a knockdown shooter. I think he's used to being a, a guy who puts the ball on the floor, and I think he's uh, a defensive liability more so than he is an offensive weapon, which I think like the Jazz already have Sensabaugh that's looking to be that spot-up shooter. And youth, the, there's players that are younger than him, and I think more talented. So his his roster spots can be pretty hard to accomplish getting. And also Romeo Langford's another guy the Jazz brought in. I also think fits that same pedigree. Yep. All right. So we cover your your two teams in the sense. Well, I guess you got we got one more team to cover since you are Mavs slash Magic draft. What are your thoughts on Orlando's two way players? I, I'm actually two of the guys did a lot of their their training in Dallas. And so I've had a chance to just kind of watch them in like open gyms, Kevon Harris, who on one hand, I'm glad to see that they believe in him enough to bring him back. But I thought that he's played well enough to earn a standard contract. It's just a log jam there. And Admiral Schofield is a guy that's just been hanging on by a thread. It seems like three or four years now. What are your thoughts on those two guys? Yeah, I completely agree about Kevon Harris. Like you look at you look at what he's done just over I mean what he did last year in Orlando and he was a capable third fourth point guard as needed, right? And it's just one of those things where I think he's hurt by the lack of uh overall there's really a shortage of teams I think for the amount of talent that is in the league. Like if you added one more team Kevon Harris is not on a two way. He's he's on a backup spot on another NBA team with a full guaranteed contract. I think there's some guys that could the magic also have like one open spot. There's some guys that are interesting. Mac McClung. I know a lot of people like him, but I think Kevon Harris is the impactful one. Kind of like you said, Schofield. I liked him in 20 was it 19. I think yeah. he was somebody that intrigued me, but the size has really limited his game from translating up. Like he's pretty much a six, five forward and, and not none of the best ways. So I'm interested to see. I think he's kind of got a very short chance here. Like if he's not showing great signs of improvement and two guys in camp really shine, I can see him being the first one cut. I know Schofield has probably turned down some really good EuroLeague deals. He's the type of player that thrives in, in, in Europe because they they have a history of like these undersized fours that that play well enough there just just the way the game is played so he's uh like i said i think he's holding on by a thread but orlando likes him and i just think that with orlando's roster i mean i guess you can say this for a lot of teams it just seems hard to go from a two-way to getting it converted into a, a standard contract just because they have a lot of depth but you never know. Injuries can change things. And Orlando does have a guy that is consistently injured on the wing. And so there could be an opportunity there. All right. When we return, I'm going to get Richard and Leaf's thoughts on the top two-way players for the 23-24 season. But let's talk about bird dogs. Why? Because bird dogs make you look good. Bird Dog Stretch Khaki Shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog Shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. And they fit way better than regular shorts because 
Regular shorts are made out of a stiff, restrictive cotton. And bird dogs fixed the issue because they invented this cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but it stretches. So you get a way slimmer fit and you do not have to sacrifice movement. And bird dogs also uses an anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry. So you're not musty and bird dogs are functional for any occasion. You can wear them to play golf on a date, on a night out of town, to the pool, to the workout, to lounge, to work. So I know Leaf has his bird dogs collections. He's got the hat. He's got the whole, you got the the drink, right? The, what, what's it called? Um, oh, the, the tumbler. The tumbler. And Leaf said he wears his bird dogs to play tennis. Probably wears them to play basketball too. <laughs> uh, I'm all I'm always rocking bird dogs. Like I, I got wear the hat to play tennis. I, I wear the shorts to play basketball, golf, tennis, anything basically. And then I got my sweats recently. It's the weather's a little cold here, so I might I might be rocking some bird dog sweats now. Yeah, see, you have the sweatshirt on Dallas. It's still summertime. I guess it cooled down a little bit, but it it was still in the 90s. But you can go to birddogs.com/slash locked on NBA to enter the promo code locked on NBA checkout. For free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order, that's birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA for free water bottle at checkout. You will not want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. All right, second segment. We are going to talk about the top two-way players. I guess we can start off with our favorite two-way players and the guy that I'm looking forward to seeing on the two-way deal that I hope he gets an opportunity. And I think if he gets an opportunity, he is going to shine. And it is Terquavion Smith. I'm a big Terquavion guy. He's in Philly. I think we don't know what's going to happen with Philly. We don't know if the Harden trade is going to open up some playing time or more than likely they're going to get some guards back if Harden is traded. I still think the trade is going to happen. But Terquavion is a player that I thought Showed in summer league, he should have been drafted. He outplayed some guys that were first-round picks. And he's just fun to watch because whenever he's on the floor, you know something exciting is going to happen, whether it's a a, a deep shot, an athletic play. He is uh, a guy that I'm really high on, and I think he could be a Bones Highland-type player. Now, it would be interesting if some type of deal is made out where they end up on the same team, but... Who's your guy, Leaf, that that you are looking most forward to seeing on a two-way contract? I think Musa Diabate is probably the one that stands out to me for the Clippers. I know the Clippers have plenty of players that you know are accomplished, can play multiple positions, so it makes it a little more difficult to crack that rotation and make yourself a, a valuable asset. But I watched Musa Diabate in person play the G League last year against the Utah Stars. And he looked like he was men against boys, except he's kind of the youngest player that was out there. And he yeah. he looked easily the best player. Uh, he had, I want to say he had like 26 and, and like 14, and it could have easily been more. Um, everything that he did like at, at Michigan that made you think, oh, he's intriguing. He refined and did against pros, and it was really impressive. And, uh, and honestly, the Clippers probably have the best two-way player. There's just a little bit of drama around this player, and it's Josh Primo. I mean, if we're if we're saying Josh Primo just for the basketball, this guy was the 11th pick of the draft. 
is unbelievably talented and is young. And there's just a lot, a little bit of baggage here. And I don't really want to address the situation, but I just want to say that in terms of basketball ability, I would say he's the best two way player. Yeah. I mean, he would not be on the two way if it wasn't for the situation that he was involved in. I'm actually surprised that he got back in as soon as he did. And then the four game suspension is pretty interesting. Um, <laughs> I wonder if he's just elevated right away. The only reason I brought him up is to say that I think he's one of the most likely to be put onto an active roster. Do you think that's a situation where the Clippers believe that the Harden trade is coming and they're going to have to move depth? It's not going to be a one-on-one deal. So you trade whatever. I- I'm guessing it's going to be some combination of uh I forgot. Is it Marcus that's there or Markeith? Marcus. So combination of Marcus, Morris, Batum, you got to throw in. Um, um, I imagine you have to throw in possibly. Uh, oh, my gosh. I can't think of his name right now. I just watched him work out in Las Vegas a couple weeks ago. Norm Powell. And then if there's like a, a multiple, if there's multiple players coming in and then Harden, multiple players going to Philly, then you get Harden and then Primo. So I, I think. That's one of the reasons the Clippers are are taking the gamble, because I still think that there's some way, somehow, believe that they're going to get Harden and Philly is going to fold. But that's that's just my thought behind. It. I don't have any any intel on that. Richard, who is a, a two way player that you are looking forward to seeing this year? Well, <laughs> I think I saw uh, the smile, so I think I know he's going to talk about. <laughs> we said favorite, <laughs> so I mean. I'm just going to shout out the Indiana Pacers. They got Oscar Shibway, Isaiah Wong, and Kendall Brown. You guys can figure out from there. Um, the uh, the other answer I really want to give, first of all, Primo is definitely the best player on a two-way, not, not even debatable. But somebody who I think is up there, too, is Nemius Keita and now Boston. And after the Time Lord trade, after Robert Williams is gone, uh, he feels like somebody that's easily elevated, right? And then kind of going off of that i know they also signed dj stewart to an exhibit 10 and i think he's somebody that if kata gets that two-way elevation before the end of training camp you could see that empty two-way spot go to dj stewart he he lit up summer league both on defense and as a score for the sixers i think he's somebody that really could elevate himself into that spot that makes a lot of sense i totally totally like forgot about that they signed him and i'm a guy that was on the live draft show a couple years ago saying that Kato was going to be the king starting center by the end of the season. So I still have my my Kato stock, but it does make sense to me now because everyone says, why why did you give up Robert Williams and they don't have a, another rim protector, I guess, other than, I, mean, I guess some people think that Porzingis is a rim protector in a sense, but um, Kato can fill in the Robert Williams role, I think, to at least of it for a significantly cheaper rate. All right. Another player that, um, or at least a guy that I'm looking forward to seeing on the two-way, this was a guy that I was a big fan of all throughout the process. I don't think he'd be a two-way if he stayed in school, but it's Gigi Jackson. I think outside of Primo, Gigi probably has, in my opinion, the highest upside out of all of the guys on two ways, but I think he has a very, very uh, uphill battle for playing time. 
And so he's in a unique situation because the talent is there. And I've said it numerous times. I think if he stays in school one more year, even in his draft class, he's a top five pick, especially in 2024 draft. But now he's he's in Memphis where I just think it's going to be difficult for him to get minutes unless they make a major trade that opens up roster time because he's behind young guys, too, from Jake LaRavia to Kenny Lofton to um, Roddy. Still got Zaire Williams there. Like I said, I think it's an uphill battle. Then I listened to his press conference and uh, he's going to have to do a lot of standing in the corner and shooting. And I don't think that is his his strongest part of his game. And so I know personally I would have loved for him to at least go to like a bad team where he was going to get some some minutes. So um, but Gigi is one of the guys that I'm definitely going to be paying attention to. And I think that it's a good situation for for the Grizzlies, in a sense, because you have depth and you have someone that um, that you can monitor for a year. You got him at like on a two way when he could have been a first round pick. But for him, I think it's a it's a difficult situation. All right. Next segment, we're going to talk about a few other guys on two ways. Stay tuned. All right. Last segment. And I'll start off with you, Richard. Who is another player on a two way deal that you think is going to possibly get converted to a standard contract or you think can actually play a role and and provide some some good depth for a team? I got two kind of co-answers. They're on the same team. So the Golden State Warriors have two two way guys that really intrigue me. Lester Quinones, who shot the lights out at Summer League and Usman Garuba, who also up there for best two-way player. I still have no idea how he and Ty Ty Washington are on two ways that quickly. Uh, Garuba is an impactful defender. The passing's real. He doesn't do much scoring, but you look at how much the Warriors have utilized guys like that over the years. I just feel like that's a match made in heaven for Garuba, and then also you can just never have enough just shooting in, in any team, even with the Warriors. And I think that's where Quinones can step in. Yeah, I've always felt that Garuba is going to look better on his second team and on a team that that is winning because I I just don't think he's ever going to look good on a bad team. My my theory is like if you're on a bad team like Houston was last year, you have to know how to hoop. <laughs> and if you know how to play basketball, you're trying to play basketball the right way you're just going to look bad. Like you swing and make that extra pass on, on the Houston Rockets last year, you're not getting it back. And so I think um, he has more value to a, a team that is competing than he does on a, on a rebuilding team that just has a bunch of young guys that are trying to get their shots off. What about you, Leaf? Who's another two-way player that you're looking forward to seeing? I was definitely thinking about Quinones. So that, that's one that I'm, I'm fully on board with. Uh, and I also, I also think that I'm not sure it's right now. I like Colin Castleton on the Lakers. Yep. I, I think Castleton is a player that, you know, injury could happen there and he steps in and he's skilled, he's long, he's coordinated. And those type of players tend to uh, flourish next to LeBron James, someone who can 
And even if LeBron's not like like playing a lot of minutes with him, I think those type of players tend to develop and and have confidence instilled in them by the way that the bigs play around LeBron, which is defense, run, catch the ball in space, power dribble, dunk. Like it, it, it's a rhythmic way to play, and I think he fits that mold very well. I also thought that like Jay Huff would have played well there had he been given opportunity. He was there, but he was in the G League, and I think Castleton's a far better version of Jay Huff. Um, so that, that's a player that I'm not sure it's immediately success that that I see like breaking into a two way right away and and becoming a 12 man guy. But I uh, I think in time he's going to be pretty successful. I would not be surprised if Colin Castleton passes up Jackson Hayes on the depth chart. I think Castleton's passing is going to be, I, I think it's going to end up being a weapon for the Lakers. I mean, if he ends up playing minutes with LeBron, Bron is such a, a, a good cutter that I think he would value playing with the big that can find him when, when he's cutting. Back to you, Richard. Who is another player that you are looking forward to seeing on, on the two-way this year? Yeah, I'll go to Atlanta, somebody who I really liked pre-draft. Uh, I think again, you got a you got a dominant a ball dominant guard who can create for others really well. Spot up shooting is going to be necessary. Uh, I think Seth Lundy is a guy. Also, who knows what the situation for the future is with DeAndre Hunter there? Yeah, they don't play necessarily the same position, but uh, you look at just somebody that would be able to benefit from a departure up the depth chart. I think Seth Lundy's a guy. I really like his game, really improved his defense throughout his time at Penn State and his efficiency. I really like his game as just a shooter that can do other things. I have two guys that I'll be looking forward to, to seeing them play, and I'll be monitoring closely. It is Imani Bates and Craig Porter Jr., they played significant roles on the Cavs G League team winning the championship. I think Craig Porter Jr. is just a jack of all trades. If he can get the shot a little bit more consistent, I think he can stick. And then Imani is a player that I've actually heard someone say that someone on the roster say that they think that he can be converted to a standard contract and play. We all know Imani can shoot. We know he can fill it up. And I think that the Cavs took a, a good risk on him. And we'll see if he if he can come in and provide some minutes because he can shoot the ball and he can't score. And the Cavs have their they have their their studs, I should say. And if Imani can play a complimentary role as a shooter, I think he can earn some playing time there. All right, Leaf, who is a, a player that you think can help a team this year? Whether it's some spot minutes later on in the season, or maybe even just make some type of impact as a standard contract. That's a tough one. I, 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 I'm going to go with the team that's not as good because I think that they'll have more of a chance to help. And I'll go with Dominic Barlow of the Spurs. He's someone that I liked um, when he came out of the draft. I mean, not not to the point where I had him like a first round, but I would say I was higher than the consensus on him when he was coming out of overtime elite. Uh, he's someone that I noticed at the he was at the G League camp, I believe, and he, he excelled there. And I kind of remember watching a little bit of that tape and saying, OK, like that type of stuff would translate because it wasn't reliant on anything but energy size. And I thought there was more skill than you typically see out of someone that's like largely reliant on athleticism based on like the numbers they put up. 
So I, I think he's someone that on a young developing team can play backup minutes at the four or the five. And, you know, they, I don't think the Spurs are going to be good, but like, I think he can ha- play effective minutes and not be a liability on the court, which to me is what you want out of that type of situation. And I, and I think he can actually be a rotational big in a few years um, on think, most teams. I think he can be a rotational big for them this year. If I'm not mistaken, he had like an 18 point 20 game. 18.20 rebound game or something like that. I mean, it was the last game of the season. And I thought he played well in Summer League. Off the top of my head, who is their backup big behind Victor? I think it's him. I I, I think he could be a rotational big for most teams in a few years, is what I'm saying. I think immediately he's the he's the Spurs backup big. Yeah, that's what I that's what I thought. I'm actually and maybe I'm wrong, but I thought they signed him to a standard contract this summer. I remember seeing his agent That's and congratulating him. But, I mean, they have him listed as, as a guy on a two-way. All right, Richard, I, I have a question for you. Let's hear Let's it. say everything stays the same in Philly. Who plays more minutes with the Sixers? Ricky Council, Traquavion Smith, or Azulis Tabellis? <laughs> that's tough uh, because I think all of them have their own individual holes, but also all of them have their own unique roles because like Ricky council is going to get the slashing more than Turquavion Smith and Tubelis. Tubelis is obviously a big man. So he's different from the other two. And Turk is going to be the one that provides the outside scoring. The question is, what are they looking for any given night? Right? Because I think that's what it's going to come down to. It's a, it's a cop out answer. So I'm not going to use that. But if I had to go with any of them, I'll I'll take the guy who I ranked the highest of the three, and I'll go with Turk Wavion Smith. Just because also, about? like, okay. y- you can't get enough scoring. Like, at the end of the day, microwave guys, like, we see all too often teams go dry, right? Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. What are your thoughts on that, Leaf? I, I think it's more likely it'll be someone in the vein of Ricky Council that, that in that is able to influence a game for a team that wants to win because if they're scratching for depth at that that rate, I think they're more likely to play an athlete than they are to play someone to be a scorer considering the fact that they're going to be a good team that shouldn't be scratching for scoring ability. So I I think they're more likely to utilize the freak athleticism that Ricky Council has. I'm torn on that because I'm like, if you're Joel Embiid, do you want to be on the floor? with Ricky Council, because that's a defender that's going to be right there in your lap. That's that's my concern. All right, the Milwaukee Bucks have three guards. Lindell Wigginton, Omari Moore, and Ty Ty Washington. Do you see any of them getting some some burn with, with the Bucks? Not I really. think... I think Ty Ty maybe. I mean, Ty Ty is probably the best of the three, just because. I mean, he was a first round pick. I think he's got the most going for him as a pick and roll guard. But also, like, do the Bucks need more pick and roll? Like, they're already probably the best pick and roll team. So he's not filling an area of exactly strength. And for that, if Omari Moore can step in, I, I think it's him. I think the totem pole would go more Washington, Wigington. Yep. All right, I wanted to ask, and and I, this is for for you, Leaf. What are your thoughts on Demoy Hodge? Do you think he can play some minutes? Now the Lakers have a lot of wings, 
but I think by him having a a specialty and a skill set that complements their guys, I think that he should be given a fair look. I liked him, Moy Hodge. I, I was high on that Missouri team. I thought they would make the Sweet 16. I had them beat him Arizona. Princeton beat Arizona and then Missouri. And that hurt me in my brackets, but that's all right. Um, Demoy Hodge and Kobe Brown, though, I was very high on because I discovered them, I'd say, a little bit earlier than than most NBA draft people because of my love for college basketball. And I watched a lot of Kobe Brown. And I, in fact, I, I, I almost want to say I texted Richard. I was like, man, have you seen this Kobe Brown guy? Like, he's huge, but he can shoot the heck out of the ball, and he's kind of fast. And then I watched the next couple Missouri games, and I was like, man, maybe Demoy Hodge is someone that can scoot up. So to answer your question... I don't think he infiltrates playing time with the Lakers because they have too many guards that play similarly, but I think he's an NBA basketball player. I think he's got a requisite skill set where he, he can defend, he can pickpocket, he can get out and run, move. He's he's tall for a guard. He can shoot it. I, I think there is a place for him in the NBA. I, I don't think it's with the Lakers and the way that they're built right now. Question, where's Kennedy Chandler? Is he on a two-way? I don't know. Because I know he signed a contract that was at the time like the largest contract for a second round pick with Memphis. He played for the Nets at Summer League, I believe. Yep. And where's he at now? Is he on the two way or is he on a standard contract? I I think he's an outright free agent. Mm -hmm. That's tough. I mean, this is like just going back to to what we talked about, Jelly Walker. I mean, Kennedy Chandler is six feet in first round draft or sorry, second round draft pick. And he was a pretty highly rated recruit. Like the fact that he's not sticking. It's a it's an unfortunate message to undersized guards that it is just ridiculously ruthless. Yeah, I mean, Sharif Cooper, I. Last I checked, at one point, he was averaging 26 a game in the G League last year, and he's not on a two-way. He's on an Exhibit 10 deal. So if you're like, I don't know, are you are you discouraged if you're Elliot Cadeau or Aiden Holloway? <laughs> like, and, that's, see, and that's exactly like what I have the issue with with Cadeau. It's like he is so skilled. I think he's an incredible floor general. He makes his teammates better. But like... He's even at even if he's six one, he's probably too small, and it's it's so hard unless you are you know a cream of the crop scorer at that size with the playmaking. It's really hard to make it in this league. Yep. All right. Any last words on guys that we didn't discuss that you think have a, have a chance to make an impact this year, or someone that you're surprised that they're on a two way. I got I got two guys. So Teo Maladon and Charlotte, I thought he was really good. And then also I'm interested to see with Miami. They got they got three guys I think that are all pretty solid. Drew Smith, Jamal Kane, and RJ Hampton. I think Jamal Kane was actually with Miami last year and had some flashes. I think he's the most likely to get elevated. But RJ Hampton's probably look, if he can thrive in Miami, it's a really good reclamation project. He can play defense. I watched a lot of magic games with him. Yeah, with him, you don't want the ball in his hands all the time. He's growing in that area still. But if he can find a way to be an elite defender for guards, I think that would go a really long way uh, just to the NBA for him in general. What about you, Leaf? 
Well, I, I think Trent Forrest, because he's been an NBA guy, likely has a pathway to be that for the Hawks. Um, I, I think he's got a chance. And then I would go Jalen Wilson, rookie from Kansas, just because Wilson's not a great shooter, but he is strong, athletic, switches. He's a really good rebounder. And I think the Nets have a lot of players that play that way. If someone gets hurt, I think there's a very real avenue for him to not have to alter his game and have him you know, thrive as an energy guy off the bench. All right, I got one for you, Leaf. You'll, you'll uh, find a joke in this. Do you think David Locke is upset to see Yudoka Azubuki playing for the Phoenix Suns? I, I doubt it, to be honest with you, <laughs> but... I, I'll I'll ask him tomorrow. I'm seeing him tomorrow. That's good. That is really <laughs> that is a really good. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'm not. <laughs> well, that wraps up this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. I enjoyed this this topic with the today. Our name is the Triangle Offense. I think we were the big three the last episode with Leaf Tulane and Richard Stamen, and we are out. <laughs>